smart owner accepts responsibility rather than blaming Brian for leaving the key to home. They accept it themselves and they fix the system so it doesn't happen again. That's what smart owners do. But because you can get caught up in this blame game and, and when there's a recessionary environment and everyone and the media is talking about it, you can get sucked into it pretty heavily. So just turn off, turn off that stuff and focus on what you can control because there's a lot of things you still can control regardless of the external environment. Morning and welcome to The Biology of Business. I'm Kate Markland and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Paul Wright from Sydney. Good morning, good evening, Paul. Absolute pleasure to be here, Kate. I'm, I'm excited to, to, to share with you some information and, and see what's happening for you as well. So great to have, great to be here. Well, I was just sharing with you what a joy it is to meet you because I used to listen to you in my car back in 2007 <laughs> when I set up my very first practice. I decided to leave the NHS, didn't have a clue what I was doing other than I was going to create a practice. And I honestly don't know how I actually heard about you. I was thinking that, how did I even discover you in the first place? But somehow I did, and I used to play your CDs in the car, driving into work, trying to figure out what I was going to do. So it's nice to meet you in person. We laughed about that before we started today, that I I still post out CDs. I'm one of these dinosaurs of marketing, and people would say, "But but I haven't even got a CD player. Why would you send me a CD? So, well, because in our program, I want some something in their hands to remind them that they've got something to listen to, something to remind them there is a session available for them. So the point isn't that they that they can't access this CD, that they know that they've got a resource they've got to get access to. And if they if they have to move that CD around in their car enough during the day, that at some stage they'll think, I've got to listen to this. And so we're still doing it, even after CD players have, have left the earth to a certain extent. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> and I remember, we're going to talk about how to recession, recession-proof your practice. And I remember one very particular story that you had, which was nothing to, I don't know if it was anything to do with the recession at the time, where you'd had, I think you'd had, was it six clinics? You'd had a number of clinics and you'd gone to one one day and the building was shut. And I remember listening to your nightmare. Yeah. And my clinic my clinics were all in gyms and something very similar happened to me one day. And that was nothing to do with the recession. It was just to do with the management of the building and the fact that it was a third party that had had control. Well, it could have been linked to a recession because the, if the gym wasn't wasn't run well, like in my case, I was involved in, I had a, fitness, a physio practice inside a fitness center, as you know. And the story was, if you haven't heard the story, I I got a message from one of our really good clients. This was on a Thursday night and the message came in and he said, Paul, just to let you know that the gym hasn't paid rent to their landlord for three months. And that was that was the story. I said, well, that's not good. So I contact the owner of the gym, who a friend of mine, and he said, oh, it'll be okay. We're, we're in the process of selling it. It'll be okay. I turned up the next morning. It was a Friday morning and I canceled the list for the day and I, I put everything in from the practice, the chairs, the tape, everything into a truck. And and everyone was saying, "Righty, what are you doing? You, you, you're going to, we're going to be open again tomorrow when the new gym takes over, the new owners take over. It's going to be fine." I saw when when the owners take over, I'll move everything back. And and you know the story, Kate. I never I never once I never once set foot in that building again. So I I lost a three hundred thousand dollar practice in twenty four hours. And is there a recession lesson there? Well, yes, because I was reliant on someone else. I was reliant on someone else's economy. I was reliant on the gym's economy and the owner of the gym's ability to navigate a financial issue. So that was my fault. It never happened again. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> but, uh, but, there, but there's a lesson in that. Who, 
what's the big risk to you if you're a subtenant of another business? You don't you don't control the lease. You're in you're a risk. You're at risk. And I think my next step, I bought the premises. So my next practice, I bought the building. So I wasn't going to get out of that one for that reason. But anyway, I'm sure it was yours much the same. How did did you get? I was on the holiday. Same day? It was in it was very end of November. I was on holiday and I had taken my phone with me but I'd left it in the hotel in the safe in the hotel room because I did want a holiday without being ping 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 pinged and of course I don't know whether rightly or wrongly one day I was tempted to go in the safe and get my phone out and check the messages and there was a message from my practice manager that we've just had notification that the building's going to be closed by Christmas so I had a few weeks notice on you rather than just 24 hours and again, there were lots of subtenants. There were tennis coaches and swimming and swimming coaches. There was all sorts of people affected. And in many ways, I felt fortunate I had another practice in the same town, so I could just move everything there. But it happens. It happens. I can't actually remember the rationale behind why the building closed off the top of my head. But, uh, but, but there's lessons in all. There's lessons in both of our stories there, Kate. That. The, the danger of the number one, like I, like you, I, I, I had another location. So at that stage, I had two. I eventually had six, but at that time I had two. So I still had some way to generate revenue. So I still had something. So there's a, the most dangerous business, uh, the most dangerous number in business is the number one. one. One location, one referrer, one anything, if that's that's a very dangerous number. And, and relying on someone else. I, there's an expression I like, only the paranoid survive. And and you and I probably should have been paranoid all the way along that that what if what if the tenant of the gym doesn't pay their rent or what if we had a client in our in our practiceology program once he he used to get oh, nearly probably ninety percent of his referrals of his work came from one orthopedic surgeon and I remember speaking to him I said Matt I couldn't sleep at night if I were you I I and if I did sleep. I'd make sure I was up early because I want to be at, at that surgeon's um, door in the morning, escorting him across the road or her across the road to make sure that they didn't get hit by a car because yeah. I was nervous. But so we've got to diversify this thing. And that and that's a recession-proof lesson in itself, diversify, because you don't know what, where the next thing is going to fall over. So some lessons uh, in there are ready for us. Again, our lessons from the lockdown in terms of this being closed in terms of the owner not even being able to get in the door because it was in a gym and the gym <laughs> building was closed. And we yeah. so often think, or well, I certainly thought it was very advantageous having practices in a gym because of the facilities that you got access to and also the fact you didn't have to worry about paying extra electricity bills or security yeah. if you had team there alone working because there was always people in the building. So there were many, many advantages, but the disadvantages was not being able to have a key to your own door showed to be big with our practices both being forced to close but also in the lockdown mm. the other thing on that do any admin if you wanted to the other thing on that kate we teach our guys the concept of current bank versus future bank in in your business and if you're running a practice inside a fitness center or, or another sub-tenant it might be a medical center it could be some other sub-tenancy arrangement if you're not the primary tenancy you, you you're going to have trouble selling that for any reasonable amount of money so you're running a current bank business. You'll do okay out of it like you and I did in the gyms because there's a, there's a steady trade, the overheads are low, there's passing foot traffic, so it's marketing is going to be cheap. So you'll do well out of it. It's a good current bank business. But when you go to sell that, it's hard to sell. What does a buyer want? They want certainty. And and a buyer is not going to get much much certainty if 
if you don't know if they're going to pay the rent in the in the gym and everything else. So there's there's issues as long as you, and then none of those are wrong models. You just got to understand the limitations of both models. It's current bank versus future bank. You, you could argue orthopedic surgeons, for example, run a very very current bank business. You know, when when they close up, it's it's not often that they'll sell their practice for a big amount of money because the business is them. Mm. Public speakers, you know that that's but they have to understand that's their model. They invest well while they're making good dollars doing it because they know they're not going to get the big cash payout when they sell the business at the end of their life. That's, that's not in the model. And in which case, you've got to make sure you're doing something with the cash that you're drawing out. So it is creating your future bank. Very, very much so, because your future bank is not going to come from a, a sale of your practice. And we see you probably see it as well. It, people that work 20 years in, in allied health and then finally think about selling their business and realise it's not really worth anything. Like when they see their friends selling their businesses for hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions even, and, and health professionals not getting anywhere near that for their practices, usually because it's all about them and they're the business. And anyway, we've 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 diversified already our conversation, but anyway, this, this is where this could go. Whatever today. the model you've got, we're just raising the point of be paranoid and stress test what the risks <laughs> are for the model that you are working and put in place barriers. So we wanted to talk about the fact that we are already seeing high rates of inflation, and I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. In fact, it's probably around the realms of impossibility now that we're not going into a recession or even a depression. So we're wanting to talk about how we can help practice owners recession-proof their business. Because certainly here, we are seeing a failing in the free healthcare system, so therefore, there is an opportunity for practice owners to meet the needs of the population because there's going to be very limited opportunity for where else they can go, which is perhaps inverse to what it's been before. And in Australia, before we get into the doom and gloom, do you see that there's an opportunity for practice owners? There's always an opportunity in every in every situation. Okay, there's no matter what happens. I've got mentors in our, or mentees in our program, and they always think, well, regardless of what happens. That's great. No, because invariably there's an opportunity in every situation. You just have to, you just have to know where to look for it and have the right mindset to do it. More fortunes are made. People say all the time, more fortunes are made during recessions than they are during boom times. You know, we've all heard that a thousand times. But but you've got to know where to look and what to do during a recession. And I'll give you a word of advice now. Stop watching the news for a start. That's always a good place to start. Because that I mean, we we saw it during COVID, Kate. It's just it was what 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 I what I was counting at one stage in the in some of the coverage, the words could, may, you know, the the vague words. This could lead to this, and we could see this, and we may have ten thousand dead, and whatever we've got. This it was just a, it was just a pandemonium of coulds, mays, and fear mongering. So, that's no different now. It's no different in the recession now. So be very careful what you listen to and what you what you tune into. Because while some people are sitting there watching the news and thinking, gee, it's, we're going to hell in a handbasket with this recession, there's practices out there and businesses out there going gangbusters. And, and you wonder, well, how's that the case? And Jim Rohn used to say, well, the, the wind's blowing the same for everybody, but you've got to set the sail right. Why is, why is this business going gangbusters? And we, we see it in our group, in, in our practiceology members at the moment. Yes, some some are doing it tough in certain areas, but they're diversifying or doing something else. And you see some are just going ballistic. Like, as Jim Rohn says, the wind's blowing the same for everybody. What's different in the boom business compared to the bus business? 
So what is different compared to the boom compared to the bus? Okay, we did it. We did a whole presentation in this, Kate. And, that, and sorry, I didn't. I didn't do an intro. Does anyone know? So I'm from Australia. Just so I know who people might know who I'm, who I'm, who they're listening to. Don't do I give them a quick... You're so famous that people already know Paul. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, just because you've listened to some CDs <laughs> back in the '90s doesn't mean that there's anyone that's got any idea what I'm doing. So, so I'll give you a quick background. So, so my background. I was I was a physio. I was a PE teacher originally. I then became a physio. And I got really heavily involved in Michael Gerber E-Myth very early. So that led me to trying to run practices without being there and end up with six locations. Everyone want to know, how did you do it, Paul? How do you run them and not being there? Because it's very anti what most health professionals think they need to do. They need to be all, all, all the time. And that wasn't my style. I've got four beautiful daughters who I was able to be at everything. My beautiful wife, Helen's the love of my life for 30 years. And, and I was able to be there for all of the kids and for all of that stuff because of my businesses. Then I sold them. Listen there for you guys. Look at, at you're you're either selling your business or or you're buying it. But is it worth the price you're paying for it? It's always worth thinking about. Sold my practices and now I I help other health business owners grow great businesses with our books and CDs and and practiceology program that we run now. So that's my that's my little background. But but while all this was going on, Kate, I've made every mistake under the sun and I've been through. 20% interest rates and we've been through, we've, we've put deposits on properties without having the money to fund it. Like we've just done all sorts of dumb stuff over the years, but you, know, you, you tend to get, you tend to get by. So I suppose that's, that's my, that's my story and, and how I got to where I'm at the moment. But in terms of our recession, we did a session exactly on this for our VIP clients not long ago. So when you said, Paul, can we talk about recession? Sure. I've just done something on it. I'll give you the definition. Just because everyone talks about recession, what does it even really mean? The R word, as is now referred to on some pub publications, watch out for the R word. You can, and then, Kate, you have mentioned the D word, going into a depression. Well, that's going to terrorise us. All right. Well, let's go with the R word. This is the, the textbook definition: a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, uh, generally identified by a fall in gross domestic product in two successive quarters. Now, that not that going to put you to sleep? But, but then Warren Buffett comes out. Have you listened to the real good guys in this space? Warren Buffett says, in one of his famous quotes, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And if you follow the Buffett thing, they, they look for opportunities like this. They look for downturns. They look for things where it's dropping because that's where they can make a lot of their money because people are panicking. They're, they're selling off things. They're, you know, they're, 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 not, they're scared. So as a result, they do dumb things. And I think one of the one of the big lessons that we we encourage people during any recessionary or any sort of economic problem is protect your income source. So one of the key things we say to all of our guys is protect your income source, meaning look after your business, look after your the structure of your business. Because if you've got income, you can then capitalize on on things. You can buy advertising for less. You can get employees for less. You can buy things for less. You can you can invest for less. So so that's kind of the the, the basis of all this. And I did read one interesting um, thing from a global consultancy company, Bain and Company. So I, I found this in, in my research for our, our roundtable. These guys analyzed nearly 4,000 companies okay, in their research. And then trying to determine why some thrive during economic downturn while others flounder. So they tried to work out where there's some 
what, what were the common denominators, which you asked me earlier, and, and get this, I'll read it for you. Their conclusion is that the biggest losers during the recession tried to slash and burn their way to the other side under the misconception that extreme cost-cutting would stabilise the enterprise. And you'll note, okay, so, so there's mistake number one. Still others tolerated poor results during the downturn. And you see that a lot. Oh, well, it's, just, it's just the economy. You know, we're not, our therapists aren't rebooking because it's the economy. No one's got any money. Waiting to see what would happen and then finally took action. But it was too late. That's, that's what the losers did. The winners, according to Bain and Company, the winners, on the other hand, were wise about taking advantage of opportunities. As the report indicated, the winners looked beyond cost. Playing offense almost always trumps simply hunkering down. And the best companies usually gain market share during a challenging economy. The strongest companies coming out of a recession went on offense early, while the others thought only about survival. Now, Paul, you I'm sure you know more that well, doesn't think very much to know more about football than me. But my son always <laughs> says the best form of defense is offense in well, that, That's to all that. And that's, that's exactly all, well, what it's, you've been describing there. That's all that's all this is about, Kate. That's all see the fear the fear mongering of the media that makes us think there's a recession and no one's got any money. I, I think and I'm not critical of health professionals, but sometimes we use that as an excuse to not do things. So look at look at the best example that we've had previously is is look at some of the advertising regulations that, that are on allied health professionals. Like in Australia, for example, you can't use testimonials, for example, in, in our marketing, which Makes me laugh, but but anyway. So you can't do you can't use testimonials. So as a result, a lot of a lot of health business owners will say we can't market our practice because we're not allowed to, which is a cop out. It's just it's it's a lazy it's a lazy excuse for what they're hearing. So sometimes the fearful owner who maybe doesn't know exactly what to do next think, oh, it's it, the economy's in, it's in recession. I'll I won't run the Google ads. I won't do the newspaper ad. I won't do that. I'll just tighten up my expenses and ride this out. And that you can see that's a mistake because what we hope, what we, what we know to happen, a lot of other businesses will do exactly that because they aren't, aren't as enlightened as the listeners of this program or my or our clients. And as a result, ads get cheaper. There's more market. We capitalize on it while the others are shrinking. That's really what this is all about. And I so, think you're absolutely right there. There is quite a lot of stagnation and malaise around and actually, oh. if you're an action taker, straight away, you're scoring points. So in some ways, it's becoming easier to be exceptional whilst everybody is in rabbit in the headlight sphere. Yeah. The expression we like to use, and I've been very fortunate, Kate, I've been around mentors over the years that, that think differently. They, you, know, you, look at, you look at people like Dan Kennedy or just the, mar- the old-time marketing guys who, who look, at, look at things differently. And and one of the classics is was the majority is usually wrong. Like if if you do nothing else, look at what most people are doing, and do the exact opposite. And in in most cases, you'll be okay. And that's you that's typical. That. It's 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 typical. And and one of the things I like these guys, the the direct probably the direct marketing guys and and the really good sales and business guys and, and girls talk about. They say, well, just don't participate in the recession. So you create your own economy, and that's and that's what great businesses do. They, while, while this recession is going on, 
company is they're making a fortune. People are still buying luxury cars. People are still buying, spending ridiculous money on housing, whatever they're doing. And the people that are involved in those businesses are creating their own economy. So I'm, I'm challenging you guys to do the same thing. Just don't participate in it. If, because people in a recession, they're actually not price sensitive. They're, they're value sensitive, but they are always value sensitive anyway. If, if you're delivering great service and giving, getting great results, if I need, I don't know, if, if, if my youngest daughter needs surgery to, for a knee injury or something, regardless of the recession, I'm not holding off and I'm going to get it done. And I want the best rehab after it. So there are still buyers out there. If you position yourself well enough in the economy, in the marketplace, to be the obvious choice, you, you're creating your own economy because people there are still people out there that can afford it. There are smart people that can afford it. And the other the other tip on that, if you're if you're looking at external variables, say so you're saying, well, new patient numbers are down because of the recession. So you're you're blaming external things really successful business owners, they accept 100% responsibility for everything, which means if, if there's no new patients, it's my fault. I've got to fix it. I've got to do something. I've got to do some marketing, do some doctor's visits, do follow up my past patient, whatever all things I can do, I've got to hunker down and do that rather than thinking it's, well, it's just the economy, isn't it? It's a pretty, I'm not telling you stuff you don't know, but, but, Create your own economy. Create, well, I think create it's your useful own. to see a practice as a business as a living entity. And if you want that living entity to be healthy, what have you got to do? You might want to cut some fat, but you've got to keep the muscle and you've got to keep the performance. You've got to keep the thing performing. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's an excuse. It's it's above the line. I mean, my my clients in practice, I'm sure they hate it when I get involved in a conversation because they'll come into a meeting and they'll say, Paul, I've got this, I've got this problem with this with this therapist and they've been with me for a year and a half now and they've never really kicked the goals that I wanted to achieve. You know, they, they've been a bit of hard work and so they're whinging to me about it. I said, well, look, you employed them. You've kept them for a year and a half. It's not them. It's, mm. it's your fault. You, you've, you've brought this on yourself. So I, I and that was, and it's a, as blunt as it seems and it's, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've said that to clients over the years. And they'll even say to me now, I know you're going to say it's my fault, but you know, they still want to pre-frame it with something. But but I think that's – I remember when I did in my businesses, Kate, I went through a stage where I'd whinge about things and staff or whatever else I was whinging about. And it's just when you when you wake up and realize, hang on, it's my fault. I, everything that happens in the business is my fault. And, and once I accepted that, it was very freeing because – like like someone someone forgets to like they ring you at seven o'clock in the morning to say that the therapist who was supposed to open the practice has left their key at home, and and they ring you and you go oh, you idiot you know so you st- this idiot I've employed them and they're they're but the smart business owner says well that's my fault because I didn't have a backup system in place when someone forgets their key or I haven't got a system for that so that's my fault. Smart owner accepts responsibility rather than blaming Brian for leaving the key to home. They accept it themselves and they fix the system so it doesn't happen again. That's what smart owners do. But because you can get caught up in this blame game, and, and when there's a recessionary environment and everyone and the media is talking about it, you can get sucked into it pretty heavily. So just turn off, turn off that stuff and focus on what you can control, because there's a lot of things you still can control regardless of the external environment. So what you're talking about, about is you've got a choice, just like 
I have a choice this morning whether to do my morning run before we speak or after we speak or not yeah. at all. But I have yeah. a choice. And, and you and you accept and you accept the, the consequence of that either way. Yeah. You feel good or you don't feel good. But that, yeah. but but that that's 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 just the choice we all make in business all the time. So, and I think the other thing too, Kate, with this, if you get really catastrophic about it, people think, well, it's going to be businesses are going to go to the wall. Well, possibly, but they're probably poorly run businesses that don't understand marketing or business and they're poor anyway it's just exposed some cracks but the recession doesn't lead to business crisis poor business systems and poor structure lead to lead to closures and that's that's mismanagement's the real recession what's the what's the expression a rising tide floats all boats so when lots of things it's easy but we saw it during covid especially when you talk about leadership we say that during covid and we saw it in some of the countries around the world and i won't mention the ones but Leaders were exposed heavily during COVID. You, know, you could see the good leaders from the bad leaders. So, and you see that too in a recessionary environment. The good leaders stand up and make decisions. And you saw that during COVID. The good leaders made decisions, and sometimes they weren't appreciated or they weren't lauded by their team, but but they made the decision. So, still, still make sure your business makes economic sense. Fix your internal systems. Fix your marketing fix what you can control because the other stuff is just noise it it, it really and is you touched on earlier a very common problem with healthcare professionals is somehow they step out the field of being a physiotherapist or a podiatrist to suddenly being an ifa because somebody walks in with a nice handbag they make a decision a buying decision <laughs> for the person related to their health because of the handbag they've come in with or not come in with yeah we, we do that a lot I, I remember i had a client once and he said and he was a podiatrist. He said, Paul, I was going to I was going to get this guy orthotics. He said, but I I just didn't think he could afford it. But you hear this a thousand, you hear this over and over again when you, in the work that we do at the moment. And I said to him, Well, that's tremendous. I said, Can you send me over your financial planning qualifications? Because you're obviously a financial guru. You you're helping this guy with his finances. Mm-hmm. Surely you can help everyone else. So what's your financial qualification? And, and he, he goes, Ah, oh, okay, get it. You've got to get that out of your head. You've got to get the whole idea of money out of your head as a health professional. And the way the way to do that, Kate, and how we instruct our clients to do it, think about what what does your best service look like? What does your best service look like? And if, if you came and saw me and you had a need, I would I would give you my best service, which might be daily treatments for the first week. And it might then be every second day. Would it what's the best service? Money doesn't come into that. I, I because every any step down from that is going to be a lesser service. So all, all I can do is give you my best service. And mm. and you've 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 used it. We've got we've got script. Someone says, you know, well, I can't afford it. No, because you hear that. They they say, but in a recessionary environment, they'll say, I can't afford it. Paul, you want to see them every day, but they can't afford it. Kate, my job's not to tell you what you can and can't afford. All I can do is tell you what's going to give you the best outcome. Because that's that's your job as a health professional. You're not going to mollycoddle the plan just because you because of the external noise of a recessionary environment. This is going to give you the best outcome. And and the word you might have heard me say this that if you've got a script for this, that the easiest way to get around any fear of money or any concern about what you're recommending from a financial perspective, if you if you were my four words, Kate, if you're my sister, this is what I'd be doing. And it takes away everything. It takes away every aspect of money because I'm not 
I'm not recommending what you need because of you what your financial position is. I'm just going to tell you what's going to be the best outcome because that's what I'm trained to do. I interviewed Stephen France a little while ago from the Remarkable Practice Program in, in the USA. He's a, he's a chiropractor. And he said, Paul, when I speak to a client, my recommendations are only ever based on two things, my findings and the patient's goals. My findings and the patient's goals. That's all it is. If it's anything other than that, if you're making recommendations based on money, wow, you're in all sorts of trouble because you're not going to give your best service. Anyway, I'm sure you've got, I mean, UK yeah. is, is rife with this. It was there when I was there 20 years ago. It's no different now. It's And, and you'll say recession, recession, recession. But can I go back to something you did say in in the first part of our, of yeah. our interview today? You talked about the the free health service. Yeah. Can I tell you now, it's not free. There's no such thing as free health service. Like you, you'll say, well, but in the UK you can get the NHS. Well, yeah, it might be free from an from a pocket expense, but there's a lot of other costs in that that aren't taken into account. The cost of going to the NHS, if I'm if I'm needing physio or whatever I'm needing podiatry or whatever, and I'm going to the NHS, the costs to me, you know them. Long waiting lists, under-servicing. Here, I'll give you a couple of exercises, Paul. Come back in a month because I can't, I'm can't. i too busy. I've only got to, I can see you in a month's time and see how you go then. And you don't get to choose who you go and see. I'll just get the junior who's just graduated because that's – and you say, well, but that's free. Well, there's a reason why it's free because it's rubbish. It's, it's a high you price get what you pay for. High price to pay. Yeah. There's a book. There's a book I recommend. I'm – uh, Dan Kennedy wrote it with a guy named Jason Mars. The the no, I think it's the No BS Guide to Price Elasticity. <laughs> it's a classic read. And this Jason Mars, his his wife was a speech pathologist, and she she opened up a private speech pathology practice right next door to a, a big public hospital in the states that did it for free. So you got and and she was nervous as hell that she could run this thing privately when this. But as they all said to her, it's not it's not free over there. You know, you're, you're she's creating her own economy. She's and she might have a special niche that she looks after, which she can't get over there. She's got years of experience. They know what they're going to get. She's got the whatever program that speech pathologists have that the the hospital might not have. That she's got all of those things, and she can charge a premium for it. And the people who can afford it and want to pay it and value what she does will pay it. The others who won't will go to the public health system and wait for three months. And I mean, how think about your best service, Kate, is, is really if I've got a knee problem and I go to the NHS, is is it really the best service to give me a couple of exercise and see me in a month? Like even the private hospitals sending people home woefully underprepared for, for themselves and for their family to cope. And and there's the market. So you think about well, think about how can I how can I build a business during a recession well you look at what's needed and you fill the need that's all business is you look at the starving crowd the starving crowd are still getting discharged early they're not getting good follow-up care they're disappointed with the nhs service you come in like the the white knight with your xyz knee program your post total knee replacement you know you've got the program so you're recession proofing your business because you're creating your own economy right Anyway, regardless of the economy outside, there is still a need in your community for that service. And that's and that's a recession-busting tip in itself. Find the hungry crowd. 
what's what's the desperate need? And if you can fill the desperate need, Kate, you'll recession-proof your business. You'll just keep running your own economy because you've filled a void. Yeah. So that's part of part of recession-proofing is finding, you know, you're not delivering the same as everyone else. You find find the hungry crowd, find the market, develop the program that serves the market, and then you 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 can't be touched by a recession. So the other two common ones that I'm hearing, I'd be curious to hear whether you're hearing too, are cancellation and recruitment. High cancellation rates okay. and recruitment being impossible. What are your thoughts on those two? We just we just did a whole program on, we just did a whole recruitment, sorry, we did both of those. We did recruitment program, we did cancellation program because a lot of people were saying, well, cancellations are high, again, because of the recession. Now, if I'm if I'm that expert we talked about a little while ago, I'm, and I've got this, say the speech pathologist with this with the child with the stuttering problem, and the and the parents are just they're committed to fixing this, thing. and and you're the specialist, and as a specialist, you've got limited availability. You, you, then you need to get the best results, Kate. Your little girl needs to come in three times a week, and if she misses a session, she's going to put her back weeks and weeks. If that's set up well, I'm not cancelling that appointment, regardless of the recession. Cancellations, Kate, come because therapists expect cancellations and their words and their structure, their program and plan is so weak that there's no real need for the person to come back in. They, I've got another hear. theory on this, Paul, which I'd be interested oh. to send you out on. So Do- I used to have the clinics, I used to plot everything. Good. And I would, so I would know. There's a recession proofing tip. Know your numbers. Anyway, yeah. sorry. And probably like you, when you're not there on site, you've got multiple clinics. You have to because you you yep. can't, you don't yep. have the feel of what's going on. So you really have to learn, know your numbers. There's all sorts of reasons yep. why you need to know your numbers. And I would see every time, every practitioner before, and it happened every time, before there was some personal issue that needed talking <laughs> about, or they were terribly homesick for or for their mum or whatever, their drop-off rate, their rate would 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 decrease they would yeah. be dropped so and that wasn't regardless of economy that was about how the individual practitioner was feeling and it was a real indication that i needed to make sure i scheduled a one-to-one with them quite quickly to talk about whatever yeah. it was that was going on in their world so i Can wonder you- if sometimes the cancellation you've been blamed on the economy but actually it's a reflection of how you are feeling not necessarily how the person in front of you is feeling very much so it's it's how how much you value your treatment how much you value what you can do Kate, if you want to if you want to get the res- best results for this knee problem, and you want to do that marathon in three weeks' time, you need to see me three times a week. And if you miss one of those sessions, it'll put you back, and you might not make it to that marathon. That's that's just the facts. But if that's not explained to the patient, and the and the therapist doesn't value the the service they're delivering, and generally believe they can get you to that marathon, they're going to say rubbish things like, "See you on Wednesday, Kate. We'll see how it's going." Give me a call. Give me a call next week, and we'll see how it all is. Like that's just, but that happens all the time. It's just, and that leads to cancellations. the The biggest reason for cancellations is the patient doesn't have a valid reason for coming back. What am I going to do on Friday, Kate? When you see me on Friday, I'm going to show you this and this, which will then mean you can do it over the weekend. You can go for a short run over the weekend, and then I'll be able to move you on to stage two exercises next Monday. There's a consequence for you not coming on Friday. But, that, but the therapists don't say that. And sometimes, especially if they're, the other thing, especially if they're heavily booked, this is a problem if you're heavily booked, because they they don't care. There's another person to fill in. They, 
they're sometimes quite relaxed about the high cancellation rate and they don't mm. think about it because there's there's someone else to fill in. What they're neglecting to see, what's the consequence for the patient for, for not following on their course of care? We had a, we, in, in this, we did a program called Ultimate Cancellation Reduction System. And I interviewed, I think, 20 odd experts in, in this whole area. And, and one of them talked about the time she had a therapist who's, whose cancellation rate was over 50%. So over 50% of people that booked in to see them the next time cancelled. And everyone else was single digit or, or less. And this person just, but they were an exceptionally good therapist. Like they were really good therapists. So it didn't make any sense to her. Mm. So she one day, so she said, I'm just going to sit into a consult. I've just got to sit in and see what's going on. So she sat in the consult. And and she said at halfway, I'm sorry, at the end of the consultation, the therapist said, I'll see you on Friday. But if you're feeling okay, give us a call and cancel. And it was just a script. This person was saying it at the end of almost every consultation. It was just a, you know, if you haven't got, suppose I don't like to be scripted, but the current scripts are rubbish. Mm. So fix that script. Mm. And the moment she, and, and and her jaw, the owner's jaw nearly hit the floor when the, mm. when the therapist said it. And, and it was all very clear. And once she realized she was saying that, cancellation rates less than 10%. Mm. My, my question to you, in terms of recession proofing your business, tighten up the scripts, tighten up the words your team members are using. And, and, and we're it's, all playing, we're all playing a script anyway. Yeah. And, okay, your words might not well fit in Tommy or the practitioner's mouth, but a variation of them will yeah. be Tom's words of saying the same thing. Because yeah. we're using and scripts as it is. The scripts and the scripts are rubbish. Give me a call and, and cancel. Like that's just a script, but it's a bad script. Yeah. You know, but but even but even Kate, what your admin team's saying. Like we talk about how to recession proof it and and when I did this whole presentation with my guys in practiceology, it wasn't anything groundbreaking because it's it's fix your internal systems, fix the leaks in your bucket now because there, there may be a little bit less water going into the bucket, maybe, if you don't market it well, if you don't find that niche. So so fix the leaks to make sure you're not you're not bleeding. But too too many, too many owners just just think oh, it's just a recession, it's just the economy. Yeah, but say your admin team, you know, if you ring the admin team and and sometimes uh, admin team are fantastic, but they're, they're rarely trained well and they're sometimes part-timers that come and go and they're just poorly trained and someone rings up and, and they'll ask a multiple of, multitude of questions. I say this in my presentations all the time. So they ring up and say, how much is a consultation? Have you got anything on Saturday? Do you do shoulders? Like they get the, these sort of questions all the time. And and badly trained admin team members answer the question. It's a bit counterintuitive. It, it's it badly trained admin team members answer the question. How much is a consult? It's $85. You know, you're open Saturdays. Yeah, we're open until 10 or whatever. They answer the question. They're failing to understand because they've been poorly trained. They're failing to understand the real question. In each of those things, you probably heard me say it, in each of those things, the real question, can you help me? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. But the admin team is so, and, and then the admin team, they get caught up in the money. If the person says, how much is a consult? I've heard this in practices. Well, it's it's $85. But if you're in a health fund, which health fund are you? If you're in, in Medibank Private or in, in Booper, it'll be $40 and you'll pay $30 out of pocket. And that that wasn't the original question. They just, I've got a, I've got a crook shoulder and I've got a game on the weekend and I, it's my grand final. And you're here telling me about my health fund. It's nothing to do with you. Can you help me? Yeah. So fix... Fix those things in your business as a big 
it's a big part of recession proofing your business. It's sound business systems, regardless of the economy. But when you've got and knowing your numbers, taking them and fixing your internal systems and staying away <laughs> from the negativity. And finally, Paul, how's that? There <laughs> we go. Finally, recruitment. Oh, That's recruit- the other one. Are you hearing that right. a lot? The recruitment's impossible. Yeah, again, it was big during COVID as well, and 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 the, you know the immigration things and visas and it, so there are issues regarding it most definitely. But but marketing for therapists, Kate, and admin team is no different than marketing for patients. It's it's exactly the same principle. What has changed, and I think one one tip that well, there's a couple of things I can tell you about recruit. We did do a whole program on this ultimate recruitment retention and team culture because it was so hot at the time. Going back into the good old days, old guys like me talk about the good old days. We could put an ad in the Saturday paper and get ten applicants. You know that was that was easy. You know, so so in those days, there was one way to get ten applicants. In those days, these days, there's ten ways to get one applicant, which means you can't just put the ad in the paper. Assuming the paper even exists where you are, but but you've got to be in everything. You've got to be on Facebook. You've got to be at the universities. You've got to be taking students. You've got to be putting it on your own emails about, you know, we're growing. So you've got to, and you've got to always be doing that because you never know when one of those hooks are going to land a fish. So you've got to have lots of tentacles out in the recruitment and all the time, Kate, the biggest mistake you'll make, the worst time to hire is when you need someone. Again, counterintuitive. The worst time to hire is when you need someone. Jim Collins in the in the great Good to Great book, he talked about the principle of first who, then what. Mm-hmm. Now he said, what separates great businesses from good business? What takes up from being good to being great? He said, understand the principle of first who, then what, which means find the right person and they will create a job for themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas we tend to do the opposite. We tend to, someone, someone resigns, oh, I've got a position to fill. Good businesses and, and even in a recession are looking for great people because if 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 you think about it, if a 10-year veteran therapist with manipulation skills, whatever turns up with migraine program in their back pocket, whatever they've got, and and you haven't got a position for them, you'd be silly not to take them because you they the good people will create a job for themselves. Mm-hmm. We did it in, in our practices. We were always looking for great people. And they would create a job for themselves just because they were great people. Mm-hmm. The worst time to hire is when you need someone because then you're desperate and you make dumb decisions. Because, and, and I was a classic. My beautiful wife Helen banned me from from giving anyone a job in our practices because the moment someone resigned, I just wanted to fill it because I had more interesting things to do. I wanted to be marketing and do it, so I was doing this stuff. And Helen banned me from employing someone without speaking to her because I just give them a job. Is he is he breathing? Yeah, he's great. Give him a job. Mm-hmm. So I get because that wasn't I didn't enjoy that that role. But the smart owners now, they're always recruiting, they're always hiring, and they're always looking. Because I can tell you now, from I'm getting better at as I get older. I think the universe tells you things. If if a superstar, say you're putting out some tentacles, Kate, you're putting in some feelers. You're always looking, and you get and you get a really good applicant come in looking for, and they can start soon. And I've done this, and sometimes you say, "Oh, look, I wish I had a place for them, but I just haven't got anywhere, haven't got a spot for them." I can tell you, with almost a hundred percent certainty, within a couple of weeks, one of your team members are resigning, and you're going to say, Gee, "I should have taken Mary. She was a superstar. I should have taken Mary." And you ring up Mary, but she's found something else. 
You always you, know. You, you get a feel before you get the resignation letter. You always know. And I, I agree. Yeah. I can't pinpoint always what it is, but you know. You always the, universe, the universe was telling you someone's leaving because mm -hmm. they presented a, a great person to you. I'm better at this now than I used to be. Yeah. But, but even if they didn't, even if that person didn't resign, you'd still find this person a position because great people find a position for themselves. So recruitment tips for you. During a session, you ramp up your recruitment activities. You, you, it doesn't have to be heavy, expensive paid ads, but be on all the, the Facebook groups. Have students in your practice. Co communicate with your database that you're always looking for great people because Mary, who's a patient, her son-in-law has just graduated from uni and let, you, let everyone know that you're always looking for great people. Put, a, put signs up in your practice. Put signs up anywhere. And, and lots of different opportunities will, will open up. And if you do that, you can then choose. You can be a bit more selective. And the only other tip I'll give you regarding recruitment, you've got to change the structure of your interview. In a low labor environment, Kate, you have to, you have to help them overcome their desperate problem. So the applicant, your job in an interview these days is to solve the applicant's problem. Mm -hmm. Go in, in a high labor environment, if I put an ad and there's 10 applicants, I can run the race. I can, I can, this is my problem. Do you solve my problem for me? But that doesn't happen in a low labor environment. So when you get to the interview process, Kate, what's frustrated you about your previous roles? How, how can we help you? What do you need from us? And that, that's the role reversal. So I've got to find out what you want. And then assuming I can deliver it, I make sure I target my conversation and my questions well, it's funny you say what you meant, want mentoring, Kate, because we have a highly structured mentor program here, and you'll get 10 years of experience in two years here at XYZ Healthcare under our proprietary mentor program. Because, But I'm not throwing that at you unless I know you need it. So go into all of the interviews, every discussion with how can I help you. I think it was Zig Ziglar, Kate. I think he said, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll always get what you want. That's, that's the interview these days. How can I help you? How can, how can I did it to you, I think. How can I help you, Kate? Oh, I would love you to come on my podcast. Sure. I'm total, total honesty. How can I help you? Well, you've got a podcast. I'll help Kate. And then I'll say to Kate, Kate, I've got a podcast. Maybe I can jump on my podcast. Great. Because that's that's how this works. So, again, how can, how can you help people? Help enough people get what they want. They'll always get what you want. This lesson, recession or not, it's a time-honored principle. Super. Thank you very much. So can How's you that? summarize your top tips that you've made there? <laughs> <laughs> top, well, top top tips for recession, recession proofing your practice. Don't participate for a start. Don't just don't create your own economy, create your own, create your own business. And 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 for you guys out there, I learned years ago to never get involved in a business where someone else can control your fees. Never get involved in a business where someone else can control your fees. And we've seen that with the health funds. We've seen that with insurance companies. So if you're if you're running a practice and you're just getting a, a rebate that's determined by an, another business or another government department or another company, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to where I said, well, that's your fault because you've accepted that. But look at what can you do that's not that's outside of that. Don't rely on that because they change their rebates, they'll do whatever. So so don't participate in that either. Or if you do participate, it that's for the junior therapists who come on and learn learn their trade with that. But don't that's not your high end service. So so don't participate in the economy. Fix your internal systems, Kate. Know your numbers. 
look at your words and and seriously market your practice. Don't don't close it down now, fearing a recession. This is the opportunity to ramp up everything you're doing and tighten up all your systems. And and you can use that with your team to increase compliance. We 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 blame COVID for everything, as you, as you know. And because of COVID, we've got to do this because of, so. Now, with your team, it can be because of the recession. We've got to make sure we do these phone calls all the time. We've got to do it because of the recession. So we can use it to our advantage as a smart owner. You know, it's, it's tight out there. You can say that your team, it's tight out there. So as a result, we've got to do this, this, and this better. So use it to your advantage. Anyway, that's that's a, a stealth tip that we, we get our guys to do. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very, very much for joining me today, Paul. Ab- absolute pleasure, Kato. Anything, anything you need, you let me know. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast valuable, here are four ways I can help you grow your practice for free. Firstly, visit www.marklandmethod.com forward slash grow. There you'll find access to the free Profit Without Pills program. You'll also have opportunity to register for the free web class, the triage call, and you'll be able to sign up for the weekly email newsletter where you get hints and tips on how to create a profitable, sustainable practice. And finally, please leave a five-star review so I can get access to influential people and speakers and bring them here so that they can share their lessons with you.